you're smart, you're confident, you know what you're talking about, just be you. Welcome to Working Women Mentor, a podcast that empowers everyday women like you, like me, to share and learn from life's mentor moments. I am your host, Rainey Alpers, and in each episode, you will meet inspiring women that understand the power of recognizing mentor moments and how those moments can change it all. These fabulous women are here and ready to share it all with you. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Women Mentor. On this episode, we are diving right into finding your identity in your workplace. And yes, this is about mentorship. This is about us. This is about how to feel comfortable where you are, and it's an ever-evolving challenge in our lives. And we're going to meet Tina Rincon. She is fantastic. She is a great example of a professional. She's a CPA. She's a CFO. She's a board member. She's a mother. She's running the world right now in her space, but also so vulnerable in sharing with us how it feels, what it's like. And I think you'll be really surprised on her views of mentorship and how it's actually helping her right now to navigate her path in her journey, in her career, in her life. And this episode is fantastic. Let's dive in and you have to meet Tina. Here we go. Tina, thank you so much for joining us on Working Women Mentor today. How are you? I'm doing great. Little rainy day, but looking good out there. So, <laughs> Oh, did you make that up for me? I, did you give me that rainy day plug just for yeah, me? I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a rainy day out there, speaking with rainy. The rainy day. Oh, Tina, so I'm so excited to talk with you today because we had the pleasure of meeting recently and talked forever, of course, and so many interesting things out there right now in this working world of women and the world we're in today. And our topics, I think you have a wonderful insight into the workplace and also where people are today, what their expectations are in it, how does it feel. And you had a really interesting point on mentorship. So let's just dive in here. What does mentorship mean to you? What does that look like? How do you feel about it? Yeah, this is something that I do have uh, some thoughts on. I think growing up, you're always told or kind of guided to have a mentor that's older in your professional, same professional career, somebody that can show you the ropes and, and everything like that. And from what I've learned over my career is mentors don't always come somebody that's older than you, somebody that's in your same career, somebody that's going down the same path as you. I have been very fortunate for a lot of my mentors to be my colleagues, my friends, and my peers in different aspects. Some of them are in the accounting field. Some of them aren't. It really depends. But that's something for me that I've never really gone with, oh, I have to have a mentor that's going to teach me how to do the best accounting or how to do the best financial statement analysis. And they have to be more experienced than me. I think that you can learn a lot from people that are kind of going through the same struggles than you, or maybe in a different industry, but also from the same place that you are in your life. So have you had an experience where there was someone who was younger than you or in a different industry or field than you that helped you? Tell us about that. 
Yeah, probably one of my best mentors is the CEO of this healthcare company that I work with. And so she's younger than me, but she is a go-getter and she has a tenacious attitude. And some people think that that's a little bit gruff, but it works well and it gets the job done a lot. But at the same time, she has really shown me how to be a woman in a man's world at times, sometimes being the only woman at the table and sometimes being the youngest woman at the table. And that's something that I see her and I see her confidence and I see her confidence when she's on the phone and in meetings. And that's something that motivates me. I think that depending on what kind of meeting I'm in, there's times that I might not show a lot of confidence or I might go and say, oh, well, there's six other guys at the table. They don't want to hear from me. And she's really done a good job of helping me and challenging me to be more confident in those types of situations. And she's just a rock star. And so again, younger than me, but has become a mentor to me. I love that because, you know, when you hear the word mentor, it's so broad. It, it can happen, you know, from someone at the gas station, right? It's those small uh, moments of advice sometimes, which is why I'm so interested in that topic. But I think you're right. You feel like, oh, I needed to have a parent that gave this to me or an elder. But really, that may not be what you need at that moment. And I think what this wonderful woman, uh, uh, Jackie, does is, you know, she's direct, she's right there, she's confident. I had the pleasure of meeting her as well. And I can see how you've opened yourself to see sort of what her talents are, right? And that's really, that's on you. That's a wonderful quality. Yeah, I think that when you surround yourself with positive women and positive people, I mean, I have some mentors that are men as well. And I think that just people supporting people is really important. And so I have mentors that I play soccer with that aren't really in the same fields as me at all. But seeing powerful women and positive women, that for me is kind of a source of the type of people I want to be with and the type of people that I want to help direct me in not only where I want to go from a career position, but from a personal position as well. Well, and as everyone heard in the introduction to this episode, you're a CPA, you are serving as a CFO, uh, you are a board member, you have a lot going on right now. But when you talk about surrounding yourself with the right people, you also have a team that works for you. You are part of a team. Tell us what that workplace is like right now. I mean, it's changed a lot, right? But what's it like right now for you? Yeah, it has changed a lot. And so it's kind of unique in my situation. I have different types of teams that report to me and I work with. On one side, I have two bosses and an analyst, and that's a very cohesive unit. And we run everything by each other, but at the same time, we are very much work on your own. On the other side at the healthcare company that I work with, that's a different situation. That is very operation driven. And that is, we see patients every day and the accounting department is very involved, but in both places that I'm working in on the board and everything, it's really been interesting to take a different perspective of we don't always have to be in front of each other to get work done. We're not having to see each other's faces all the time, although it's great to see faces. But a lot of work is getting done on phone calls and over Zoom and emails and stuff like that. And I do think that there's this misnomer out there that people can't be on walks and work or that there's generations out there that are just trying to take advantage of it. And to some extent, I think that's probably true. But at the same time, everybody that I've worked with, I don't have a problem saying, hey, you need to go to the doctor's appointment. You're going to go work from a different location. Hey, I hear you're on a walk right now. That's great. You're taking care of yourself and your self-care by getting your exercise in, but you're also working. And I think that there's definitely been a change in attitude around that. And for me, 
I don't care if somebody is sitting at an office from eight to five. I actually think that that's probably a little bit more difficult at this point in time with just kind of everything else that's going on. Well, and you've come to this conclusion and this realization because you're living it. I mean, but it didn't start that way for you. So how has it evolved? If you know that now, what did it start like for you and around you? Yeah, so starting um, working at a, a public accounting firm and then working at offices where you had to be there all the time. I think that there's times that water cooler talk happens and maybe sometimes you're not as productive at the office as you think you're going to be. I think when you allow yourself to make your own schedule and figure out for yourself when am I most productive? When am I not productive? Not everybody is productive from eight to five. And so I've kind of found myself, there are times in my days that maybe I just need to take a step back and focus on myself or focus on something else. But for me, being able to get to that point has been a lot about being available 24 seven, which I know isn't for everybody, but that's something that I have tried to do myself so that those three, four hours a day that I know I'm not available, it's okay because I'm available at other times. And you're setting your own pace. And that's an important note here because this is a hot topic. The pace has changed over time with accessibility, but you've also earned it. So what does that look like with your team, for instance, or the people you work with or the advice even to give to uh, someone thinking they're going to leave their job because they do want to work on their walks every day? Does that just happen overnight? (laughs) No, 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 it doesn't. And I think that a lot of that is about knowing the right time to ask for that. But I think at the same time, it's also having the backup to support the reasons why you're able to do that. And so my employees that have that type of flexibility have it because they've proven themselves to me. Because if they do say, hey, I need to work from home today, it's not, hey, I'm working from home and I'm not going to be available for five hours and I'm trying to call them, get a hold of them, and and they're just not available. I know that if my employee says, hey, I'm working from home and I call him, he's going to answer. It's all about earning that respect, I think, and just the times where it's not really super convenient, still showing up and being able to work. I know, Rainy, something you and I talked about was PTO, right? And my thoughts on this. (laughs) (laughs) And I truly believe that unlimited PTO is something that everybody wants, but at the same time, a lot of people take advantage of. And so I support it as long as everybody knows that just because you're on PTO doesn't mean you're not available. It's also different for me because I am in a client-facing industry where I can't just turn off the um, email and expect for everything to run smoothly. I actually was on a, a trip this weekend with one of my friends. who's She's a CFO of a commercial uh, real estate company. And we were talking about this concept and she said, at my level, she's a little bit older than me. She's actually one of my mentors as well. And she said, I just now got to the point where I can go on vacation and not look at my email for four hours. I just now feel like I can delegate that to other people. And I have built a team that allows me to do that. And so I think that's another really important thing of why I'm able to do what I can do is because I've built this team that supports me as well. And I know that stuff will get done when it's delegated down. If you don't have a good team, then you can't really rely on people to do that. And a lot of pressure comes back onto you. And so that was a really interesting thought for me because I was telling her, I was like, I don't really know of a time that I ever got on a plane and, you know, didn't turn my my Wi-Fi on or, or go somewhere and, and wasn't available. She's like, yeah, it's like, I just got to that point, you know, almost 40 and that's where I am. So, well, that reminds me of Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workday. He was burnout and he was wondering, how do I do this? How do I do this with less effort and less time? And that's not what your life looks like right now. And I think what's so important about that is 
there are phases, there are seasons in our careers, and it's important to recognize them. Otherwise, we're constantly wishing for the other season, right? We're never present and working on this, and we're always hoping that I want to be like Tim Ferriss. But right now, we're like Tina, and we're like most of the other people. And so how do you think that concept plays into searching for a new role or searching for a change in what you're doing professionally? For me, I've been at the same place for four years, but it is constantly evolving and it's something that I'm creating the challenges and kind of pushing the status quo there as well. And so again, my company, Mezzas Capital, is very unique from the perspective that we have a lot of different clients. We're working on a lot of different deals at any time, but as long as you're challenging yourself and continuing to push, I think that there's no need to look elsewhere. But at the same time, you definitely have to take inventory of yourself and see where you want to be and and what you're trying to accomplish. And what you're trying to accomplish today doesn't necessarily have to be the same thing as what you're trying to accomplish in a year. And I think giving yourself the grace to change is super important because especially somebody young like me, it's like, okay, I want to retire by the time I'm 50, by the time I'm 60, and I want to have this much in the bank account. And this is how much I have to save to get there. And from a professional perspective, I want to be the CFO of this type of company. And you get out of school and you start thinking all these things and then you go to work at a public accounting firm and you kind of have your path set out. And then that changes for a lot of people. And just allowing yourself for that change to happen and really looking inward on what does your ideal day look like? I will say that My ideal day for other people is not ideal for them. My other friend that she has always worked for big companies and she's like, Tina, I would never want to do what you do. I wouldn't want to always have my phone around. I like to go to work eight to five, have structure, have my meetings, go home and that's that. And so it's really getting to know yourself and understanding what works for you, but then being okay if that changes. I love that. That's great advice, Tina. Speaking of being able to get to know yourself, giving some grace to yourself, share a little bit with us about your experience and identity and how you've navigated that. What has your journey been like? Yeah, that's one that I'm still on. But it's interesting because at the beginning, I identified as an accountant and then a minority and then figuring out my own personal life as part of the LGBT community. And then I'm a woman and then and then I'm young at the table. And so these identities have all come up at different parts of my life and trying to figure out where I fit into certain meetings, when I can speak up, what I should be able to talk about and what I should sit back and let somebody else talk about. Sometimes it's, I gave an idea to somebody And they took that idea and went to a meeting with it. And then you're sitting there like, oh man, that was my idea, but how do I deal with this? And so I think that's a really important topic right now that is really relevant as women are becoming more successful in the workplace. And there's more emphasis being put on that. And I go back to my mentor and she's somebody that's really helped me to say, hey, Tina, it's okay for you to be who you are. I know, Rainy, you and I talked about this, but just simply as simple as clothes, right? And, And what do I wear? And navigating... As I grow up and and as I grow through my career, Jackie's actually been somebody that's been like, Tina, wear what you want to wear. I I don't care how you come to this meeting. You're smart. You're confident. Like, you know what you're talking about. Just be you. And I think that when I was younger, I didn't have that confidence. And maybe I was still trying to find out who I was. And so going back to what I said, just knowing yourself. But as I've grown and been able to get that confidence, I've been able to now go to a meeting where I'm the only girl in the room and be able to speak up and just not really worry about 
what's going to be said after that. You know, I've been to meetings where they've said, hey, ma'am, can you please leave the room? And I left the room and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then afterwards, recapping, talking to my bosses at the time, they said, yeah, well, that community, it's something that the the male is trying to navigate as well, dealing with females and stuff. And so I'm like, Yeah, okay. it's on both sides, isn't it? Especially in cultural terms. And there is some tradition as well. And so when you talk about wear what you want to wear, absolutely. I said, show me a picture. I saw a picture of you. I was like, do not ever wear that again. That <laughs> Don't yeah. wear that girl because I mean, your style is different, right? But that doesn't mean you still can't respect tradition and respect the environment you're in. So that, that's sort of learning yourself and being respectful to others too. There is a line where sometimes people are just flat out so trying to be themselves that there is an attention to the others in the room as well. And how do you walk that line, Tina? I think that it's definitely trying to find that line of, okay, I can be who I am and I can show that confidence, but not every conversation I have has to be about feminism or about movements that are happening right now. But, you know, you could play in the sandbox and then also eloquently stick up for what you're trying to do and what you're trying to move ahead. Yeah. And it sounds like you also have that system around you where the people you work with, there's an open communication to the best of professional ability, right? To where this is something you can talk about. This is something that you've created a space where you're a bit more comfortable speaking up. For sure. And I I think that's really important to have a network like that and to have a community and your professional relationship like that. When I bring up some of the challenges that I face in my professional life to that community and that network that I have, some of them are shocked. They're like, wait, what, what do you mean? That's something you have to think about, or that's something you go into a meeting kind of wondering, oh, who am I meeting with today? Can I talk about my kids? Cause is, is it going to come up of, oh, these are my kids. Oh, where's your husband? Well, then we got to get into this whole awkward conversation. And so things that I had to think about before that's like, okay, just be respectful. Oh, my partner, these are my children, modern family, and just really trying to be more respectful for that. But having a community that's just like, oh yeah, her kids, and this is what they did. And and people that are accepting makes it so much easier to, to live in that world. Live and be incredible at what you do in that world. What advice could you give our listeners on how to live and think like you do with your financial mind, with your practices that you put into place? Because you mentioned retirement earlier. You mentioned goals that you have in your mind. We all have those things. But let's look at this two-pronged. From a personal life, what advice would you give the women listening? How do, how do we run our world? Yeah, I think it's important to do inventory and see what you need for yourself. Everything I think for us is, oh, we have to be successful and this is what success looks like. And I don't think that's true because I don't think there is one example of what success looks like. I think you define what your success is. And like I said, if that's being a CFO of this type of company, okay. But for me, success is raising two really good kids and being able to do my own personal stuff that I want to do that interests me. That's important, right? And I think a lot of the times people just look at women, especially look at work-life balance of, I have to work and I have to raise my kids. And there's only a little bit of space in there for, oh, and I need to take care of myself, right? Oh, and I, you know, oh, once a month I'll go get my nails done or whatever is your self-care. For me, it's, I need balance of all three of those. I need work, I need my family, and I need my self-care for me. And the way I do that is through 
the board stuff with soccer and, and, and something that I'm really passionate about. I play on soccer teams because that's something that I know for me, I need to go do to make sure I am balanced and able to be successful at home, at work. So for women, that's kind of the advice I would give. So really uh, what I'm hearing is to identify what your own personal success looks like, even if it's not measured in money, even if it is something very personal to you, and then start there. I've talked with many guests who are business owners, and the number one thing they say, even from their personal level, is that get a hold of your money on day one. Understand accounting. Find someone who does. So, you know, what advice could you give the business owners out there? We deal a ton with entrepreneurs and we always say that entrepreneurs are really good technically and have passion for what they do. But from a finance perspective, a lot of the times they're probably just looking at the bank account and saying, okay, this is how much I have today. How much am I going to need tomorrow? I have payroll in a couple of weeks. Where am I going to get to from there? And then sometimes they have their cousin, their brother doing the books because that's just a side thing. That's just, oh, I just need to do the books for taxes. And and at the end of the year is when I'll kind of pay attention to it. And one thing that we offer there is fractional CFO services, which is something that a lot of people don't know about, but basically having somebody that come in that is not just your typical CPA bookkeeping firm, but can really understand your business and help you to grow. And so my advice for entrepreneurs, for people starting businesses is do what you can. Cause at the beginning you're on a, you're on a shoestring budget. You're just trying to get by to take off and everything, but then don't be afraid to engage somebody that is a subject matter expert in that because at the end of the day, if your, if your plan is to exit in a certain number of years or make this a legacy for your kids or just a lifestyle type company, it doesn't really matter, but you want to make the most that you can. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're successful and it's not going to be gone in a, in a year. I don't know the statistics of how many small businesses closed, you know, yeah, in the first year. But my guess is, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you'd know it. <laughs> how do you have that conversation with someone like you? From that perspective, I can plug Mezes Capital Group, who is an amazing fractional CFO and investment bank. And we've helped a ton of small businesses. We focus on small businesses. There's a lot of fractional CFO services out there. I will say that a lot of the times when you're dealing with your tax people specifically, taxes and financials are so different from each other. And that is something that we go through and have to educate our clients on a lot is that Yes, you have somebody to do your taxes, and that is great. And I have so much respect for tax people. I do not do taxes. I could never do taxes. But what you're doing from a financial perspective, especially if you're trying to go out there, get a loan, grow, acquire a company, something like that, that's different, right? And you need a different set of financials for that. My advice would be search fractional CFO or bookkeepers. Your tax people probably have connections as well, or go to mezacg.com and check us out. (laughs) I love the plug. Well, and because I think what you're saying is so important, you're distinguishing between accounting, between taxes, and between financial control, financial management, financial projection, the ins and outs of that business are all very different. And I think most when they're getting started, don't know that. Can you think of a client or someone that you've helped over time that started with you and was like most people listening, had no idea they had a tax person from last year, right? What did that look like? How did you help them? Yeah. So starting off with that type of client, educating them again to know because they're like, oh, well, here's my taxes. I do the books once a year and it's April right now. So we'll do the books in a couple months and and it'll all be good. Great. How do you know what you're doing? That's always my question is how do you actually know then how you're doing? And most people, 
Most smaller companies and entrepreneurs do cash basis accounting and they're just like, oh, this is money in, this is money out and we're good. Well, what about all the stuff that maybe you just haven't gotten bills for yet, right? What about if you're trying to tax plan and stuff, how's that going to go into, how's that going to look? And so one of the first things I always do is sit down with the operator and say, okay, this is taxes and great, but this is what your financials should look like. And we put together a model then that'll show this is accrual basis, what your financials look like, and where are you wanting to go from here? What are you, what are you wanting to do next? And so a lot of the times when letting the operator, the owner go through into their conversation of, oh, I want to, I want to grow and I want to acquire this company, or I want to open up this product line, or I want to get this license agreement. Um, that then they start to see, oh yeah, okay, then I do need to be able to show this type of income, or I do see how I need to have financials updated on a more monthly basis. Also, the thing I run into the most is once we get past the cash basis, taxes to, hey, this is a real set of financials. The next thing we get into, now we need this done on a monthly basis because it's not helpful to anybody to to get financials done six months later. Rainy, if you had, let's say, beauty company or something like that, and you're looking at your financials six months later, how are you going to know how much you sold and how much inventory you need to buy and what products are moving and not moving? I mean, operators are great at operating, but at the end of the day, a lot of banks don't always understand that. And I think that that's kind of the next step too, is being able to bridge the gap between an operator saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to get there. And most of the time you're getting that money from investors or banks. And then for somebody like me being able to communicate that to the bank so that the bank actually understands what the operator is trying to say. Yeah, I, I think you've illustrated a beautiful example. Uh, and also, you're able to align their vision and their dreams and their thoughts with a financial component. And if we're thinking about it that way, that sounds good to me, right? That if I say, hey, Tina, I want to do this. And you're like, okay, well, then we, you know, so you you put some reality at, at, at levity as well, even in a lot of cases, to the situation. And that's very helpful because we all have big dreams and big ideas, but this is where realism comes in. And that's what you bring to the table. Yeah. And I think the other thing that comes up a lot is that small businesses are like, they see, they see somebody like me as a vendor, right? They're like, okay, this is a check I'm writing every month. I don't see how it's really going to come back and benefit me. And so it's again, that education of, well, okay, Correct. I'm just taking your money, quote unquote, right? But at the same time, I'm putting your financials together. I'm helping you. We're, we're strategizing together. We're showing a growth plan. So at the end of the day, in that five years, when you're looking to exit, we have your financials for the past five years. And I think that sometimes that's what's hard to get past is because people think, oh, when I want to exit in five years, I just need to show cash in the bank or I just need to show sales for that one year. I don't need to show a track record. And it's so important. It's going to be so much easier to sell your business or grow, acquire, whatever you need to do. If you can show from day one, my books are in order. And when somebody comes out and has a question, you know those answers. Because as companies continue to grow and they do take on debt or they take on investors, financials are going to be needed. Field audits are going to be needed. Once you get to a certain level, you're going to need an external audit. And by putting in that thousand, two thousand dollars up front, which seems like, oh, this is like really expensive and it's breaking the bank. 
in five years, you're going to be so happy that you put that money in because you're going to be in such a better position because you have those financials and the historicals that are solid versus having to go piecemeal and then say, oh crap, now we got to go back five years and redo everything. Where did I put that piece of paper? Where's that receipt? And that's what I see from a lot of clients is a lot of them, they kick the can or they, they engage us whenever they're a year away from exiting. And then we're having to come in and do projects to catch up for the, for the last five years and say, okay, this is what your financials should look like. I think the same thing with external audits. Once you get to a certain level of revenue, even if the bank requires it, you should still get an external audit, especially if you're looking to exit, because that's going to be the best valuation. And while CPAs like me are cool, uh, a lot of people put a lot more reliance on public accounting firms and, and those audited reports that they put out there. So investing a little bit of money now is going to multiply your exit at the end of the day. And I think that that's something that people should keep in mind. Wonderful advice. Tina, where can everyone find you? <laughs> um, I am on LinkedIn. I'm sure you're going to share that. <laughs> so yeah, that's the place. You're also a Mezzo Capital. Did you? Uh, yep, yeah, Mezzo Capital. Yep, we're um, a small investment bank there that we deal with. And then um, VP of Accounting at Resilient Healthcare. Lots of stuff going on there. Good stuff happening. I know we spoke a little bit about that, but growing company. So yeah. Well, so today you've been our financial mentor and helping <laughs> creators, entrepreneurs, business owners, really anyone listening, trying to figure out how to really take inventory themselves, what their goals are, and then also bringing those goals and uh, visions to someone like you, uh, someone in this fractional CFO world. And becoming more than just that bookkeeper, right? <laughs> becoming more yeah. than just the payroll service. So many times people are looking at entry, but they're not looking at exit. They're not looking at down the road. And I think your vision and your leadership in that role is very helpful. And so thank you for sharing all of this with us today. I appreciate your time. Yeah, awesome. This has been great. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I hope you'll walk away feeling inspired and are thinking of how a mentor moment can help you or someone you know. In case you haven't hit the follow button to subscribe to this show, please do so. And if you love the episode, I'd really appreciate a review. You see, this review helps Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on know that other women just like you want to learn about the show and it'll help us spread the word. Let's connect on Instagram at Working Women Mentor or at Rainy Alfers. You can find all episodes online at rainyalfers.com forward slash podcast and the ability to send an audiogram of your favorite mentor moments. And we respond to everyone. I truly can't wait to hear from you. Check back weekly for new episodes and cheers until the next episode.